We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Sign up for your daily go-to free sports newsletter at sports.axios.com. All right, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to the Wombo Combo Podcast, episode number three. We have made it to three podcast shows. That's pretty good. We got we got something going here, I feel like. Now, this is the Wombo Combo, a competitive Dota 2-focused podcast show. Excited to be here once again. I'm one of your two hosts, Breaky CPK, as always, joined by BSJ. BSJ, how you doing, man? Doing good. There's been a lot of fun, act- fun activities, let's say, in the dota scene with the current or recent qualifiers and a lot of stuff to talk about today so i'm looking forward to it yeah it's uh dpc officially getting started our first couple of shows were hyping up the season talking about a lot of these roster shuffles taking place and everything but we finally have gotten to see uh examples of a lot of these teams and obviously we've had a lot of results that maybe were expected but we certainly have had some also that were a bit unexpected on top of that so that's uh, just part of the discussion that we're going to be going over today it will be mainly focused around the qualifiers uh we are planning to be joined by a special guest today moo meander of course uh one of the teams that qualified out of north america part of fighting pepegas he'll be joining us to talk about his squad in about 15 minutes from now or so so it's definitely excited to have him on the podcast in just a little bit here yeah, he said he's got a pub, so you know he <laughs> he's in the middle of a game. So it, we'll we'll see. I, I didn't see what the opponent lineup is. If it's a techies, we might not be seeing uh, Moon Meander today, but yeah, hopefully uh, his game ends swiftly. He said he's about twenty five minutes in or so <laughs> okay. right now. So we'll keep it. Uh, he, yeah, he he should be here. I, I have faith in him that he uh, can close out the game swiftly. But uh, yeah, I you know that's definitely one of the topics of discussion uh everyone exp- including you and i even i'll even say mainly me uh <laughs> express their doubts about the fighting papega so uh some solid surprises uh, as well as some solid disappointments 
in, in these qualifiers. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. The fight of Pega is really one of the interesting storylines, no doubt. Obviously, I've had a lot of success to start the season, not only qualifying for the ESL tournament, but on top of that now, one of the three teams to qualify out of North America. But again, before we get too much into that, there are some topics wanted to touch on first, and one that kind of led into the uh, tournament itself. Now, we, we touched on this a little bit last week. Um, we thought we knew, but it turned out that the official announcement wasn't out yet, and that ended up happening, I pretty much think, the day after we actually did the podcast that came out officially. The slot uh, allocation, in terms of which regions got the amount of slots that they did, in the case of uh, this tournament, they went with China getting three, which no one was surprised by. But the other two, certainly some debate, I think it's safe to say, North America and Southeast Asia getting those three slots. That means Europe, CIS, and, of course, South America then receiving the two slots for the major. So, naturally, this brings up a lot of discussion. This brings up some arguments. There's plenty of... Uh, fans out there let's say of specific regions that are certainly letting their voice be heard but uh how do you feel in terms of the slot allocation do you think this was fair and for for this first part here and hey and no i'm kidding <laughs> um honestly i i think it was relatively fair like it's a hard judgment call to make uh you look at a team like jay storm or team quincy that would have taken the third slot in north america or even gonna even argue that fighting with pegas was supposed to take the third slot whatever it's like is that team better than the third best team in europe that didn't quite make it and quite frankly you know nip didn't look all that impressive to me and uh so it's it's a tough call to make but there's these popular team or these powerful teams such as secret such as the uh ti winning og mm-hmm. that the liquid team that hasn't re-signed yet like the former liquid team with kroki these teams are just not in the picture. And I like that Valve kind of said, okay, even though Europe is the strongest region in the world, their three best teams arguably are just not playing. So why are we giving them three slots anyway? I think that this is cool to see that they will adjust to that kind of thing. Southeast Asia also looks like a very powerful region on paper. Yeah. And even though I'd never even heard of team adroit, <laughs> I did watch them during the qualifiers and they looked like a pretty solid team too. So uh, I usually only have a problem if the third team from the region that was uh, like allocated that slot just doesn't look like they deserve to be at this event, you know, and yeah. I don't feel like that happened. It could be argued some other way, Maybe that a different region deserved three slots. Yeah. But I don't think there's a team that's like squeaking in that didn't deserve it. Last year, one of the majors had a team from NA, I believe, that just shouldn't have been there. Uh, it's hard to recall exactly. But this year, I think they did a good job. You're kind of going off of the point that you made. I certainly agree with you that. I at least hope that this is a show that Valve is willing to adjust, willing to adapt. As you pointed out, the X-Liquid, OG, and Secret out of Europe specifically – making a point that they're not playing in the first cycle. LGD also making a point. So, yeah, four of the juggernaut teams are not playing this first major, which in itself is pretty crazy, and obviously that many more points and chance for prize pools left open at the actual event. But going back to the point about the seeding, that's how I feel about it. I think because those three teams specifically were left out, 100% it makes sense to me to just have the two out of Europe. Now, I honestly think the debate is more about whether or not CIS or Southeast Asia deserved it. And this might be a little bit of the NA bias, but this is why it's also pretty difficult because you look at 
in terms of overall competition, I do think you could argue even Europe without those juggernaut teams. Southeast Asia, CIS, are potentially better than NA. But when you look at the top three to four teams specifically in NA, it, it's, it, it feels like that they are teams that would be deserving to go to the major over, say, the top four from Southeast Asia or CIS in this case, and of course, South America on top of that. So I guess it's kind of finding that where you believe the spectrum should be in terms of is it the overall competition or is it really the top heavy? And I think it's it's showing here that Valve went with this, this idea that there are more fans of the top heavy specifically in NA when it comes to giving them the three slots. So next cycle, when these juggernaut teams come back for the European region, of course, I expect them to have three slots. If they don't, something's really off. But I'm pretty sure they're going to have three slots. Then that's going to be the question of, does NA or Southeast Asia get that third slot? Of course, that'll be dependent perhaps on the results from this first major. But we'll have to wait. Yeah, it'll probably be determined by the results of this major. Even maybe determined by the minor. Because what if the fourth team out of NA, you know, what if Team Quincy or some like one of the other NA teams comes out of the minor? Or what if one of the SEA teams comes out of the minor, you know? Uh, I think that uh, I, what Valve is saying is they would rather have that third slot team be higher quality than have there be more contention for that third slot. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So, like, uh, they'd rather have one solid team amongst a pool of one good team and four kind of meh teams in NA, and then compared to having a kind of step-down team, but that's where the – pool was they're all mm -hmm. equal uh, and I, I think that's overall better for the quality of the tournament is it overall better that's you know uh, th these kind of things are close yeah. and since it's close it's hard to argue with them that's that's overall my opinion sure it's hard to argue if it's close there's no wrong answer there's no wrong yeah. well there there is i mean <laughs> there would definitely be a wrong answer here <laughs> i feel like there would be some ridiculous things i could have done but um yeah it, it is interesting too because look back at the interview with quinn last week we had him on the show he made that point when we actually brought this topic up on how he felt you know because these teams were out of europe that should be taken in consideration and it seems to have played out that way um now unfortunately as we know in hindsight his team was uh just shy of qualifying for the major uh out of the north american region which uh, i think is fair to say one of the first uh big surprises that happened so jumping kind of a segue there we'll start with the north american region and we'll, we'll start with that because that that actually was a pretty big deal i feel quincy crew stack of Samail, uh quinn also ccnc yoar mss and svg they looked good in the group stages they split their group stage match against the fighting papegas but you know funny enough they ended up losing a coin flip because they were tied, it ultimately came down to a coin flip, which is an interesting debate in itself. But uh, they had a coin flip because they lost the coin flip. They had to play Evil Geniuses first, which, of course, they lost that series two games to one. They did make it a three-game series, um, but a hell of a match there. And then they ended up playing J-Storm in the loser match for the major qualifiers. And then they lost that. J-Storm actually just outplayed them, uh, from what I witnessed at least quite a bit. That was last night as we were recording the show. So uh, Quincy Crew, maybe not as strong, uh, maybe, maybe a little bit overhyped. Is that fair to say? Or is this just, are they, were they out of practice? What's the deal? Uh, I was a little upset with how they drafted, I guess, against J-Storm. Whatever you're a better team, I think that, especially if you're new when I say a better team, like a better team on paper. And whenever you're a newer team, 
the only way you really lose is giving yourself an execution threshold that's like way higher than the opponent. Like it makes you give yourself a draft that's harder to run. And like in the first game, Quincy or J Storm had a timber saw with no counters. Boom. Like that in itself makes the draft really easy to play. The second game, they had a bad and necro course with a warlock team fight. Like the game is just easy. Like meaning when I say easy, it's like, you're not going to lose because you misplayed is the point, right? You're going to lose because you either had the bad, you picked bad, easy heroes into their heroes, but like they picked his last pick PL into like a ton of team fight. And you saw in both games that Quincy crew had to do this crazy kite around the map, dodge them as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And then eventually J storm just rammed it down their throats and you can't fight them. You couldn't kill Timbersaw. You couldn't kill this gyrocopter necro with the Abaddon sitting behind them and the warlock. Like, it was just way harder for them to play Dota. And this meta has really shifted towards these offlaners, Omni Knight, Abaddon, Legion, who just sit behind your team and purge you. Like if you get gone on, you just save them. And it's making, they weren't drafting like that, which they, yeah, they had Omni Knight the first game. But when you get, you know, no counters in a Timber Saw, that's a whole nother, whole nother uh, story there. But yeah, I, I, I think flukes like this can happen and i don't want to say j storm's bad i just I, this doesn't prove to me for instance that j storm's don't a blow team. up the roster yeah <laughs> yes yeah please like quince crew don't you know freak the hell out um because you know but it's not like last week during the interview quinn knew they were gonna have some growing pains didn't know exactly how that was gonna look but he did know that it's not it's expected and it sounds like the team as a whole understood that which is important to me so moving forward i think uh they'll, they'll still be fine yeah they 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 should be. And again, I almost jokingly said that, but I, I don't believe that they're in that spot because, again, they can still qualify for the minor. They're obviously still in a very good spot for that. And going to the minor could be a solid start to the season still, despite not making the major. It is a very tough NA region at the top set, as we pointed out. Um, a couple things for me that stood out with, with Quincy Crew. I got the chance. I was actually doing official coverage for Group B. So got to watch for all, all their Group B matches and then obviously into the playoffs on top of that as a spectator. I I do have to say a couple of things really stood out to me. One, and this is always, I don't want to say a fault, but it has been something I made a point of or noticed when it comes to Quinn specifically or CCNC. In terms of his hero pool, it seems like it is a bit more limited than a lot of these top tier mid players. As far as execution goes and skill level in that sense, I feel like he is one of the better mid players out there. But when it comes to his overall hero pool selection compared to, say, somebody like a Sumail, it is not as large. Now, there was one game specifically that came to mind where they picked an invoker because they thought it made sense. And they actually had Sumail play it because that's not a hero that CCNC plays. So he's normally their mid player. But obviously with the invoker pick, he went on Alchemist, I think it was. And yes. uh, invoker was instead of the hands of Sumail, which is fine. I mean, not, not that that's ridiculous. But whenever you're kind of swapping up lanes like that from a game to a game in a very important environment i feel like that could certainly play a role like like if you were given a chance to all of a sudden play mid for one game just because of a hero made sense is that would you feel a little bit uncomfortable or do you not think that would phase you too much oh i, I absolutely uh i'll give a perfect example of a pub like two weeks ago i played a mid slark game and i played terribly even though i've played 740 games of slark because three of those have been mid slarks you know what i mean uh, the mid lane just operates differently from the side lanes, period. Like, I don't have any problem running my carry heroes in the off lane in, like, an aggro try or something because those side lanes play very similarly. But when you're playing at this highest level, your farming rotations, what your role in the game is, all of these things change when you go from mid to safe lane and back and forth. And 
I don't remember the last time I've seen Quinn not go mid, right? Yeah. So you have Yawar, who's very, very uh, limited experience on the offlane. Suddenly you have Quinn playing safe lane in a game. These are things that are just going to add up mm-hmm. to you having, like, just not being, you, instead of at your 100%, you're kind of at your 80% or 85 <laughs> And And in Pro Dota, that's just, yeah, I mean, J-Storm's not bad, right? I, I wasn't trying to shit-talk J-Storm. They're yeah. not a bad team. And suddenly you're dealing with Mu, who got second-place TI with Timbersaw alone. Uh, like, you know, Brax on Enigma, one of his best heroes. And it's just like, these guys have played hundreds of games like these, and you've played 10 in the last, you know, six months yeah. kind of thing. And that's why it's just... Uh, it's just unrecognizable. Dota's so much about experience and uh, understanding the kind of intricacies and the muscle memory of your specific role, your lane rotations, that kind of stuff. Yeah, you don't want to necessarily overhype this idea that, yeah, again, this team needs to rethink their roster or anything like that. It's just because ultimately there's a couple of best of three series that they had to play and just came out of losing. Again, they win three games against EG. Then they did get 2-0 though by J-Storm, which... I do feel is certainly uh, the surprising result, but as you pointed out too, J-Storm certainly looks good in that result, and uh, they are absolutely deserving. So, all right, Quincy Crew, though, as mentioned, they do get a chance in the minor, so we'll obviously keep an eye on there. And now, if they don't qualify for the minor, then, then that's I a... <laughs> that's a little different. I feel following a team you love in 2019 can be time-consuming. Trying to follow everything happening in sports is almost impossible. Scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily basis is impossible. That's why I subscribe to Axios Sports, the best free daily newsletter in the land. Axios Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox. When you sign up for free at sports.axios.com, you'll get the best stories from the NBA to the NFL to cricket and ping pong and everything in between. Axios Sports also highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. It's super simple to sign up, and it's free. Sports.axios.com. Not only will you be caught up, you'll be the best friend sharing an amazing link with your buddies. Join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up on the day before it even begins. And best of all, there's no paywall, no subscription fee, nothing. This is free curated sports content delivered directly to you. Sign up at sports.axios.com. Again, try for free at sports.axios.com. Humans have been shaving for thousands of years, and the secret to a great shave? It hasn't changed much. That's why Harry's doesn't overcharge you to add gimmicky features to their razors. They focus on delivering what actually matters, sharp, durable blades at a fair price. I love Harry's because it gives me a close shave, easy glide, low price. Do us a favor and check out harrys.com slash bluewire for your free trial today. Harry's is a return to the essential, quality, durable blades at a fair price, just $2 per blade. Harry's is just super convenient. Blade refills are delivered directly to your door on your schedule, with or without a subscription. And there's no risk for you to try them out. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Listeners of my show can redeem their Harry's trial set at harrys.com slash bluewire. You'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to start shaving better today. 
Uh, looks like Moon Meander said to me he's ready and he just typed it in Discord. Okay. So we should have. He looks like he finished his pub swiftly as we <laughs> firmly believed in him here. Uh, but of course, Moon Meander, part of the Fighting Pepegas, one of the three teams, was technically the first team out of North America to qualify as they defeated J Storm. Um, they, they, they looked great. They, they honestly did. And I know you, both you and I, and. More so you, uh, as you pointed out, yeah, Def, we're, we're necessarily we're necessarily assault on this team. But I think, to be fair, it was more of the idea that they were with Eternal Envy in this the longevity. We know that they're yeah. skillful players, so maybe this result isn't the most surprising. It's just a matter, you know, how do they keep it going throughout the season, right? So that that's yes. still fair to say, I think, but. To be clear, I never doubted their skill. Like we said, we doubted their ability to remain a team, their cohesiveness, the stability of the roster. So I guess really nothing I've said changes. Like the minute that they have a rough patch, I'd be curious to see what happens. And that's something I actually want to talk to Moon about coming up here. Because um, that's just bound to happen, whether or not you just don't place as well at a major or yeah. you don't qualify, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, the, I'm looking forward to talking to him about his team. It's nice to hear about, uh, you know, the formation of the team, this kind of stuff. So, uh, I believe I'm trying to get him on the call. Moon, are you there yet? Or yeah, I'm here. Awesome. Nice. Hey, what's up, man? Do you have a webcam or no? Uh, yeah. Let me plug it in really quick. Okay. Gotcha. Nice production value yeah, well, on point today. Well, Want to get that uh, maximum production value here? No, but uh, obviously. Thank you for joining us, Moon Meander. Really do appreciate it. Looks like he's uh, turning it on now. So trying to get that set up here as well. But welcome to the podcast, man. You're uh, you're going to the major. How does it feel? Uh, feels good. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me here. It's been a long time since I've been to one of those. I think the last one was Kuala Lumpur. To qualify through the minor, actually. It was crazy. So it's the first time winning wow. a major qualifier in a while. Yeah, and uh, we're getting one of the first team technically as far as uh, you guys defeating J-Storm right there. Um, you, you guys played very well. Did, did you almost surprise yourself at how well you guys played, or is it just is this what you kind of expected going in? I think that we played – we didn't actually play that optimally. I think we made a lot of mistakes. I think the thing that brought us to victory was the fact that we – we just didn't give up. Like I think both games, one game with down 20k goal, one game with down 10k goal. We lost a set of Rexes, but we just never gave up. I think. I think that was key. That game one against J Storm, I was casting it, man. You guys, uh, yeah. you guys had no place to win that game. It felt like <laughs> you somehow yeah. managed. That was pretty crazy. Yeah. But FIFA Alchemist, man, holy crap! We lost. To, we won against FIFA Alchemist. How crazy is that? Yeah, that was uh, all three lanes. I want to say were, were lost in the beginning. It was it was a pretty rough start. But that that feels like an eternal Levy specialty, right? Like you're, you're now playing with him. And but his pass, he has a lot of these games where he never gives up. Is that is that? Is he constantly talking like throughout the game in terms of like keeping you guys motivated? Is that part of his style? Uh, no, I wouldn't say he's constantly talking to keep us motivated. But I think when it comes to like the late late game, he takes over. Early to mid game is up to me and the uh, tempo controller and the supports. And then late game, he just does his thing. What's the distribution of like communication like on this team? Because I, I feel like there's some strong personalities. That was one of my main concerns when I saw your roster form. That there may be some people that have a, that have trouble like sit, standing down to letting other people take control. So like how how does that how was that like discussed and formed for this team? 
Uh, I think it's actually crazy. If you guys hear on Discord, it's just like whole mumbo jumbo. Cause, but I think we're kind of okay with it because we are five like any Asians. So we grew up in like Asian <laughs> Asian household. Everyone's yelling all the time. It's always fast talking. So I guess we just we're all used to it in some <laughs> sense. So it kind of works out for us. Is that like a long term thing you think, or is that something that you guys might want to trim up? I guess in the future. What do you th- What do you think? Yeah, I think uh, it will help a lot once we get a coach and uh, org and the manage actual staff and management coming in and an actual boot camp. Right now we have none of those. We don't have an org. We don't have a boot camp. Yeah. My my fiance is my manager. <laughs> uh, Congratulations, by the way. Yes. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for your picture. Hey, man, it's a good time. You got a fiance. You're going to a major. And it's yeah. funny you said you didn't qualify to a major for a long time through the qualifiers. This wasn't even close. It's not like you guys were the final team in or anything. Is it almost just like how did how was it so hard before? Do you ever feel like that when you have a tournament like this? I, I think it was hard for me before because I just couldn't find the correct players to complement my play style. Mm-hmm. I always think that uh, the way I play is always very, I don't know how you say it in English, it's gung-ho, it's the correct term, but it means like just very uh, balls, ballsy. Yeah, sure do. Kind. And usually people is not in my team, it's not keeping up to this equal tempo or whatever, I end up feeding. But usually like, it has to be like people playing to my tempo um, and adjusting to me, which is why not many people can I can play with my many, many like the slower teams mm-hmm. or to say, but not to say that slow Dota is bad because some teams have created like perfect drafts around like slow, meticulous, uh, meticulous gameplay, like Vichy gaming. And uh, it's just really hard for me to find players like that. And I think I finally found uh, four other psychopaths who are really <laughs> like that with me in some way. Yeah. I love sure, it, man. I love it. Uh, uh, somebody in chat actually wants us to ask about, uh, I'm actually curious too, the, the coin flip that took place apparently came down to a coin flip with uh, you guys uh, as well as Quincy crew. Uh, and <laughs> So so you guys won the coin flip and that means you got to play J-Storm, right? Yeah. Okay. That was my Vegas luck coming in, baby. <laughs> Let's go, baby. Let's go, baby. Vegas, 100 in black. There you go. That's that's pretty funny how that works out. But again, it's hey, hey it's just uh, sometimes you you split the series against them, so ultimately that's what led to that. And obviously, yeah. uh, he got the match up there. So, EG, what do you think about EG? By the way, are they a scary team or are they overhyped? Put you on the spot. I do not think they're overhyped at all. I think okay. they're insanely scary. This is this EG stronger way. I, I wouldn't say way strong. I think that I think personally, maybe people disagree with me that, that way stronger the this EG than the last EG. Because uh, they actually have a, a crazy dynamic going on. I think Baba is responsible for all of this. I know for actually, I know Baba is responsible. I know Baba. Basically, he said after watching OG win TI, I'm pretty sure he's gonna be like, "Yo, we need a mid who plays who play makes." And then you see Abed buying Solar Crest on Invoker, not Midas Invoker, Spirit Vessel Solar Crest, not not Spirit Vessel BKB Agonist trying to solo carry. No, he's all in for his Ana, which is Arteezy. And then they have Offlaner, who's very similar to. Uh, Matt Ramsey is always like running at the opponents, kind of like me, you know, always uh, running at the opponents. And Ramsey's a lot of carries have been recently moving to the off lane, and that's like the trend that we're seeing with Yuar and um, uh, who's that? Uh, Resolution. Uh, Resolution. Yeah. That's right. But I think Ramsey's has a huge edge over those two players because Ramsey's uh, has been playing carry in the style where it complements the way you play off lane, <laughs> where it's just very in your face. He plays carry like that too. 
And not only that, but Ramsey has experience playing offlane in competitive Dota. And yep. uh, so I think that gives him a huge, huge edge uh, over the, the other two named players. And I watch Ramsey's as offlaner. I really respect him. So that's, that's why I think about yeah. the new EG. Yeah, that says a lot coming from somebody who's been playing offlane for, for so long. I... I... I was wondering what your grand reasoning was for thinking this DG is better. And I think you're right. Like I've, it, it kind of almost goes along with what you said about finding players that play with your style. And even though there's no style, that's particularly the best. Mm. It is something about buying into everyone, having this idea. This is what we build around. This is who we're playing around. And I guess my question would be like, why is that so hard to find? <laughs> you know, you know, like, is it just that you, the people are rigid, that people are stubborn, like, what is it? I have a theory. It has to do with people's upbringing. That's how I feel. You know, I feel like where you grew up from, how you played Dota 1, what region you played in in Dota 1, all builds up to the kind of Dota 2 player you end up being. Your childhood, you know, stuff like uh, your memories built up, slowly more into the player. And I feel like because I grew up in Asia, that place, Dota one was the most toxic and yeah. fast-paced. No, no objective whatsoever. So just killing. <laughs> and then I came to North America when I was seventeen, and then I got introduced to Han, and that's where I started. I was in a team with PPD and Beakit, and that's where they started teaching me about uh, towers and objectives. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, what is that? <laughs> oh, this is cool. So that's why I'm a bit of mixture of both uh, objective and killing. Okay. Uh, but, uh, but your instincts are to kill. Yeah, my basic yeah. like inner okay. ground layer, like my uh, bottom line, is just kill. But some and there's people, just no removing that, right? Yeah, there's no removing it. And some some people, I think, they grew up in North America. If they have a very sheltered home, and they have very nice family, everything is Gucci. They love playing Dota. They're very smart, and then they like to farm. They don't like to die, and then they have a very safe ground layer, uh, Dota, where their basic Dota instinct is not to feed, get farm and uh play dota like that and mm -hmm. i wouldn't like mesh well with someone like that for example okay. yeah yeah that's i mean my theory. You, i'm not sure whether i'm right uh, that's cool no, uh, that's a great theory and i mean you you brought it up so i'll kind of work off of it too the idea of there's a reason i feel like there's been a successful amount of han players that have come from han and into dota too in terms of the transition there because it it feels like uh and and you can vouch for this perhaps but it Han was considered a maybe a little more faster pace, uh, more about getting kills, and so that's kind more of brought toxic. over to Dota. More, more toxic, <laughs> just yes. Just say it, sure, well, Drop them G's, baby. Could throw the dumpster G's, down. You, you, that game was so freaking toxic and so fast-paced. Like, it really, like, weeded out the weak, you know, the weak than the, <laughs> the thing. And then only the strongest survive in that yeah. game, you know, survive with the fittest. Yeah, so... So at Han players, when they come over, even when Han players come over to Dota, their playstyles don't change. Like, look at Alliance. Uh, I mean, sorry, yeah. the new Liquid. Oh, okay. They're still like, yeah, man, let's keep running at them, running at them. But now they they have uh, more controlled aggression than they used to like a year or two ago. That's why I think they're improving really fast. I yeah. think that was their biggest problem, but now they seem to have fixed it with, the, I think, uh, big big uh, props to probably Loader, telling them to scale it back a little bit when you're winning, not mm -hmm. just throw every game. <laughs> they, yeah. they they definitely went through a phase of quite a bit of that yeah it's as, yeah. as somebody that watched a bit of alliance now that now the liquid team yes like i can vouch for that for sure that was tough sometimes um 
somebody's actually asking about uh, the captain on your team to clarify because I noticed that the, the crown symbol was uh, it was next to your name, it was next to Aoi a couple times. Is it kind of like a universal captain role for you guys? Or no, no, no. Ao is the captain. The, the reason why he passed to me the captain after the 18 pick was he told me what to pick, what to ban, but he needed to take a shit. So. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm not the captain. We got to figure it out. Okay. And then he went to take a dump, and I was just so there's no confusion. Aoi's the captain. <laughs> Trying to enter. I, gotcha. I was not ready for that in the slightest, but hey, you know, that, it's amazing. That's like a perfect example. It's not always like this, right? But how easy it is to just overanalyze yeah. dynamics within a team. Yeah. That's so funny. Pretty much. Oh, as a caster, yeah, that happens all the time during drafts where, like, they, they like, there's even a game recent where they didn't even, like, ban a hero and we're sitting there thinking, like, analyzing, like, well, why would they not ban that hero? It's like, no, he probably just went AFK or, you know, checked his phone out or something and something oh. simple. So, yeah. Uh, so, uh, I have one last question about this meta. Like, yeah, you obviously don't need to reveal too much. Like, do you like this Abaddon Omni Legion meta where it's like, in my opinion, less execution and more just about, like, you know, in terms of mechanics, but more just about being playing together as a team, playing kind of straightforward, simple Dota? Is this your kind of meta, you think, for your team? Um, I'd say that sounds like the meta for almost a lot of metas. I think the hero just changes, but I think in general, you should always play as a team, right? I mean, look at OG. I guess, I guess it's like on two TIs, right? Different meta still, but the concept's the same as play as a team. I'm saying like when you have a hero like Axe, you need to get that three man call, you know, to to make that mm. ex that smoke gank work or that big play. But it for me, this meta doesn't feel like big plays. Is what I'm basically saying like when I when I say it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah I, I see what you mean. You know, all the, the off the big play heroes, Elshaker, Enigma, they show up here and there, but yeah. It's because I I think something to do with online qualifiers. Everyone's playing like at like 120 percent when you're playing from home, playing from online. Okay. Compared to when you play LAN, where LAN always all the big team fights comes out. You know, your Enigma, Toby wants cast yelling black hole, and then there's uh, as Earthshakers with a uh, universe five man echo with the Roche. All this always comes out of TI. In online qualifiers, I think it's a different meta. So perhaps that's why uh, you get all these heroes. Okay. Everyone's more relaxed at home, right? Then, yeah, than, uh, that's true. And uh, uh, TI stage, Jesus, <laughs> little, little, little different, yeah, yeah, a little different, I'm sure. So obviously that that's still a long ways, but uh, safe to say you guys, are, of course, uh, gunning for that eventually. But it's a great start to the season, qualifying for the first major. Want to wish you the best of luck, of course. Uh, Moon, any any shout outs? Anything else you want to say? Yeah, shout out to my uh, teammates, uh, AUI Brow, Eternal Envy. And um, who's that last guy? God, last guy? And uh, my fiance, my, who's being a in uh, a really good manager. And uh, so thanks for having me here, guys. Yeah, thanks for coming, man. Yeah, thanks for joining. As always, always good to talk with you, man. And uh, obviously, best of luck in China. We'll be rooting for you. Yeah, thank you, thank you. All right, so there we go. Moon Meander joining us. Always uh, awesome to talk with him and. I uh, definitely, you know, I, I have, of course, have history with him way back in the Han days. And it's I just seeing him right there and interviewing him right there. It's it's amazing. <laughs> Honestly, the transition that guy has gone through in the last six, seven years. Um, 
And, you know, I, 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 I was very entertained by his early days as a streamer in the Hondas and his play oh, style yeah. and his never ever and his, you know, jumping off his seat whenever big plays would happen and his speeches. But uh, he, he has certainly matured, it's fair to say, as, you know, most do when they get older. Um, and uh, I, I do wish him the best of luck and I do I do root for him. Uh, certainly. So it's, it's fun to see. And uh, obviously, uh, thanks again for him joining us there. So it is pretty funny how I was one of those people that always thought, like, how am I ever going to grow up, I guess, or, you know, <laughs> mature. And it just it's funny how that happens. You know, you, yeah. you just stop being so volatile about your reactions, about how you handle things. You kind of just say, I've seen this before now. It's not that big of a deal. You know, that's almost the what I've realized is the core reason i've matured in a lot of ways is because i'm just not surprised by a lot of stuff anymore especially in pro dota or just the dota game itself uh you learn a lot of crap can go wrong and even if something specific has never happened to you before you can kind of tie it to something where it's like i've been in this position like i i remember something like this happening and i see players like him and it's like you said pretty crazy to see how far they've come like when you compare them four or five years ago yeah in terms of personality well that's you know i have stories uh several of those players uh you know way back when but uh that's for another time perhaps yes um we want to keep this show moving though one last actually interesting somebody in chat had kind of brought up this idea and so I, i'm curious where what we think about this if you're an organization like cloud nine for example you know some really big organization looking to get involved in dota 2 right now would you rather go for fighting papegas or quincy crew i mean tough sometimes it is as simple as the team that qualified to the major gets that orc we've seen in the past where if you qualify suddenly you get an orc uh is that necessarily the correct mentality for an org to have i i honestly don't know i've never really been on that side of things yeah. but i personally think that fighting papega is is proving themselves to be like a relatively cohesive stable team in terms of coming back from really bad games uh is a big part of showing that you're not gonna if, there, if there's volatility within a team they can win easy games yeah. but when you're winning these chaotic uh games where if anybody gives up you're gonna lose kind of thing or if anyone's not on the same page you're just gonna lose that says a lot about a team so you know it's tough Uh, it seems more and more difficult for teams to get orgs nowadays do they wait till after the major like does an org say oh if you get top eight to themselves you know if you get top eight we'll sponsor them kind Mm -hmm. of thing i i don't think team quincy looks ready to be sponsored by a major org uh not only did they not qualify but they didn't look particularly amazing you know it's not like they got outplayed i think they just didn't play well so yep. uh kind of weird to say that because i had huge expectations for that roster and by do, no yeah. means am i saying god that just means they're never going to meet the expectations it just shows that they do have a lot of ironing out to do yeah. and uh maybe an org thinks that they can help them do that and then maybe they'll get one. You know what I mean? There's so many factors. Yeah. It's hard. It's really hard. Marketability, of course, you're looking at Samael as one of the most marketable players in Dota 2 and of course. even in esports to an extent. So I, I think from the business side, you could certainly still say Quincy Crew, but it, it, it is it is interesting, uh, you know, with them not qualifying for the major. And 
neither one of those having an org. You figure both of them eventually are going to end up with one, so that's all in theory, but um, an interesting uh, discussion to be had there. So eventually going to happen, though, but believe it or not, there were other regions that happened as far as these qualifiers go, so we spent a lot of time on North America when talking about the, the qualifiers, but now with the Moomy Ender interview out of the way and all that discussion had, let's kind of glance over the, the other regions that, uh, of course, played out here in the qualifiers. Uh, we'll start with China, of course, one of the three regions to get three teams, understandably so. Uh, China, just like most, is going through a lot of roster shuffle, a lot of the teams really changing to an extent, so it is hard to kind of follow it amongst all the other regions, and you kind of look at an event like this to, be able to get reminded, oh, that's right, you know, this player's and that. Um, that kind of happened for me with uh, Team Aster, one of the three teams. Yeah, Team Aster, Vici Gaming, and eHome were the three teams that actually qualified. Aster, you're looking at SCCC, uh, Shuan, XXS, Baboka, and Fade. So, of course, that is a very strong roster, especially with SCCC, who is, according to this, playing the position of one. I find that interesting. Of course, he comes from that mid lane uh, back in his newbie days. But uh, he had a horrible season last season. They didn't even qualify for a single major, I believe. Uh, now he's found a new team, though. And starting strong is safe to say. Yeah, it's interesting. We talked about this a bit in the previous episodes of the podcast. Just uh, roles are changing, right? In terms of how the mid lane dynamics work, how the safe lane dynamics work, that it's not that crazy to see these two position players become ones, these one position players become threes. They just have a play style. And sometimes it's just best to say, hey, this play style works best for me in this role in this current meta. And uh, SCCC was kind of always a very, I wouldn't, I don't want to say he's not a playmaker, but he was the he was the carry of the team. Like he was known to be this game winning mid laner, and right now the carry hero ends up being that most games mm -hmm. in terms of past the twenty minute mark. You have these void type heroes that are just meant to win you the game. Um, I'm not saying it's the most impactful role or most you know skill role or whatever, but th it's just interesting how this is happening more and more and. I think you have to be careful with Team Quincy, for instance, when you have too many people doing it, like when you have CCNC moving to the safe lane just for even the one game, um, and then you already obviously have Yuar in his other role. It's like you got you got to find the happy balance of fitting your play style to the role, but also just putting in that sheer number of games in that role. You know, who knows how many games as Triple C or Sumail have played carry in the past. You know, yeah. uh, Ramsey's obviously, like uh, Moon Meander said, played competitive Dota as an offlaner. So that's a huge advantage if you're swapping roles because there's so many things that I, I remember I played a high level party queue game against the Sumail stack, pretty much team Quincy. I've played like a hundred Lena games, but I've never played a Lena game mid against five top 20 players. I've never done that. And it's just unrecognizable mm -hmm. in terms of the, the dynamic of the game, the, the decisions you have to make, uh, you know, how long you have to farm, what your timings are, your the adjustments you have to make to stuff that's happening in the game. It's very easy to play Lena, go hit some neutrals, get a Yules, go Yule somebody, stun them, kill them. Like, that's very straightforward. But the second that you're having to participate in fights before you've hit your timing, all that kind of stuff, if you haven't played that hero in that role in that situation five, ten times, you're just going to look clueless. So yeah. we, we saw that a bit in the NA qualifiers as we talked about. You know, we obviously did a little bit of tangent from this Chinese qualifier. But the main thing I see in this Chinese qualifier is – yeah, VG Gaming, same team. But other, even if these other teams are making different roster changes, it's pretty much the same players, right? It, it's the same thing we're yeah. seeing in NA, just new players playing on the same team. 
but you know, it's no surprise that players like Baboka and Fade on S Triple C's team, you know, very XXS, very well known players. And yeah. uh that's just typical beginning of the season stuff. Is yeah, what I would say. going through the rosters, I, I will say this is probably one of the more expected results. Royal Never Give Up is a very solid team. Uh, Monet, Setsu, Flyby, Dogfights, and Fenrir. Uh, they came up just short. They did make it to the playoffs, but they lost in both of their series. Uh, so they'd be the kind of the only other one. But again, they, they technically got fourth place. So, yeah, I think it's one of the more um, expected results for sure. Well, one thing that did catch me off guard, Vici Gaming, I had to do a double take because I noticed Paparazzi wasn't there. And I'm like, wait a second, did some research, though. And sure enough, he, I guess he changed his in-game name to uh, Eurus is what he's going by now. So, oh, yeah, that is Paparazzi. <laughs> he is still a part of Vici okay. Gaming because uh, if yeah, if I, and I, was, I was scrambling around like, wait, who the hell is Paparazzi playing for? <laughs> That would have been something if he's still a free agent, but no, he is part of them. Uh, and then E-Home, you got VT Faded, 897, Faith Beyond, Zinc, and Y. So just to give you an idea of who those rosters are. So those are the three teams out of China, jumping over to Southeast Asia, the final region to get three teams. Um, again, at least the top two teams were pretty obvious, I feel. You got Fnatic as well as TNC. Um, the third team, though, was you pointed this out in the beginning of the podcast team and Adroit. Yeah, team Adroit, a full Filipino squad, uh, Natsumi, Mac, Bach, Boombox and CML. So, I mean, a couple of names you certainly recognize Boombox specifically, but certainly not one of the teams you'd expected to get top three. Uh, they did. And so they're going to the major. How about that? They're going to be one of these dark horse teams, perhaps, at the event. Yeah, I, I would say the biggest disappointment to say maybe that could have taken their slot reliably was Geek Fam. Yeah. Uh, we had Raven, Ryoya, Cuckoo, Cuckoo, Dubu, Zephyr. These are like uh, other than that team, none of these other teams are particularly amazing. I guess you could say. When I say amazing, it's like we really expected a lot out of them. It's not like these are bad players. You have Winter Miracle Stack. You have the KYXY. Uh, stack. I mean, all these teams, you never really heard of the name itself, but uh, yeah, uh, by no means is this region like an easy region. Uh, a bunch of very solid teams, but uh, that's just kind of the first major, right, is you get a bunch of these newly formed teams and you get these wild cards, and I, I really love to see I haven't heard of any of these players <laughs> yeah. on Team Adroit, so looking forward to uh, they, they, I, I watched, I think two of their games, they have a very unique play style. It's like very, okay. very them. I don't even know how to describe it. You'd have to watch it yourself, but you'd be like, yeah, this team is their own thing. Uh, that, and I like that. I like teams that kind of just embrace their own version of the current meta and kind of just stick to their guns about this is what we do best. And they definitely had like a signature, you a personality the team has a personality let's just leave it at that sure and i, I look forward to seeing how that pans out for a newly for or a newer unheard of team sure i i, I love to see that and I, a couple of teams come to mind for me in terms of these up-and-coming teams that kind of just do their own thing within the meta uh gambit last season for me was in the cis region yeah. was actually that they 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 had a pretty unique strategy that a lot of other teams almost kind of went after because they realized that they were having some success uh, at least in the middle part of that season so um, fun to see. Team Adroit, definitely uh, an underdog going in, but congratulations for qualifying for the major. And certainly uh, will be fun to see how they play. Uh, again, joining Fnatic and TNC out of Southeast Asia. 
So moving along, now we get the two teams qualifying from each of these regions. Of course, you have Europe, which as we do this podcast, it finished earlier today. And the two teams that qualified, we're looking at Alliance, the new Alliance squad. Uh, to clarify that roster, again, Nico Baby, Limp, 3-3, Hanskin, and Fata as their main support. And then you have X, or <laughs> X Alliance, or now, now Team Liquid. Uh, they're the other team to qualify as they defeated NIP in the lower finals. So Alliance did defeat Liquid 2-1 in the winter finals, which is also a fun series. And, of course, uh, an interesting one with some storylines on it for obvious reasons. But they both ultimately qualify, again, for me, pretty expected results here yeah they looked above and beyond the other teams nip i don't know what's up like i'm not here to talk trash they look terrible i mean compared to what i would expect from that quality of a roster i had huge high hopes for them as well i would say out of all the qualifiers they are my biggest disappointment I view PPD very highly as a captain, Universe very highly as an offlaner. I view Gunner very highly as an up-and-coming mid. And, you know, I don't know the other two players that well, but, uh, you know, what I think about PPD kind of transfers to them. You know, I, I, he wouldn't play with them if they weren't uh, worthy, uh, per se. And I, I would just watch their games, and they didn't just lose. They were getting handled by the better teams. Like, it wasn't a brawl... You know, they end up coming out short 40 minutes in a the game. They just got outplayed and outmaneuvered from minute 10 to 20 ish. Hmm. And I'm just like, oh, well, that's usually the sign that the other team is just better. That stuff does not happen by coincidence consistently. Yeah. And that, that, that's yeah, I don't know. That's just weird. I wonder what's going on there. But yeah, Team Liquid, Team Alliance, good looking teams. I really like the new Alliance roster. Uh, with the, as you mentioned, just to make sure people don't get confused. The Fada roster, not the not the one from the last season. They picked very limited hero pool. I mean, I'm looking at the Team Liquid series against them. They picked Abad and Rubik Ogre all three games uh, <laughs> as their offlane and support duo. So that's going to be incredibly exploitable in a major setting. Yeah, uh, that's something that can often easily work if you're a better team in terms of execution and skill, but. In the qualifiers, they can work in the qualifiers, but will that work in the major? That is a whole nother ball game. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that will not work in the major is what I'm saying. Will they be able to come to the major with more? Yeah, yeah we'll have to wait and see. As as a lot of these teams are going through a lot of roster changes, uh, so they're they're certainly not unique in that sense, but. Um, they were the top team out of Europe to qualify, as we've mentioned going into this. A very don't want to say weak, just a lesser region with the top three teams. You can certainly argue not participating in this first cycle. So, again, Alliance and Liquid, they are going to the major out of Europe. You jump over to CIS. Um, a couple of very interesting storylines out of this one, actually. One, Na'Vi didn't even make it to the minor qualifiers. They're officially eliminated. Yikes. Did not yeah, see that cool. coming. Uh and then Virtus Pro didn't make it to the major playoffs. They actually made it to the minor playoffs. So we'll see if they ultimately qualify for the minor, but they didn't even get to the major playoffs. So two of the top organizations in CIS, arguably in the world, in terms of their, their prestige and everything, Virtus Pro especially to me is really the biggest one because this is a team that's had so much success these recent years. Obviously a much different roster, but man, that's uh, what is going on here in CIS. Yeah, to be fair, I guess to Na'Vi, the two teams that made it to the 
event were both in their group, but I, I that I don't really think I don't know who this uh, JFSHFH one seven eight team is. You know, I've seen a couple <laughs> of these names before for sure, but yeah, that's unheard of if you look at this Navi roster. Yeah, and Virtus Pro newly formed, so by no means can you expect them to be clean. But I just I don't know too much history behind these other teams. Gambit is pretty much the same roster, right? Like maybe one or two new um, ones. A couple new players. They don't have yeah. Affinange. Um, I definitely didn't recognize all these names. Yeah, actually, Gambit is, now that I'm looking at it as well, they are somewhat, they're actually completely different because okay. Dahawk and Affinange aren't on the roster. I wasn't aware of that. Okay. okay. Well, yeah, that, that's like, then what's, you know, the Virtus Pro Navi excuse? That's yeah. what I look at. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I want to confirm because I, I don't remember CIS rosters off the top of my head, but... FNG was the only one. FNG and Shotslow Shot, were, the yeah. two the, were the two I recognized. And I uh, I just don't get it, man. Dota's <laughs> so crazy when you see this kind of crap, like Navi not even making it to the playoffs and uh, yeah. Virtus Pro not even getting a chance at the major. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, the I watched positive guys. They look really good. Uh, I thought they looked really good. Uh, Gambit looked solid but i thought positive guys look a step above everyone else when i watched the playoffs look forward to seeing that team at the major more so than anything uh because iltw i believe was the guy who stood in for og last year and just didn't look very good yeah um and now suddenly they looked pretty solid so maybe this team i've heard of ghostic i've heard of misha so there's definitely some well-known players on that team yeah, positive guys in Gambit Esports were the two rosters. Just to 100% clarify, Gambit Esports, Dream, GPK, Shashlo, uh, Sampire, we'll go with that. Excess Vampire. Excess like. Vampire. Ah, oh, there you go. Excess Vampire and FNG. Uh, and then positive guys, ILTW, Aragon, Gostic, Immersion, and Misha is their five-man roster. So I'll say this. I would put money down. This this to me is CIS in a nutshell, what happened this first qualifier. I would put money down that there's going to be two different teams at a CIS qualifying for the next major. Like, th this I region, believe. this region, in the last three seasons, it's actually been Virtus Pro and then one other team. But in this case, with the whole Virtus Pro explosion, <laughs> it's going to be super chaotic. I, this is probably going to be the most chaotic region throughout the whole season when it comes to teams qualifying. I would not be I surprised. Agree. I agree. That's a solid hypothesis for the season, I would yeah. say. So that's the IES there, though, as far as those results go. Some shocking ones, certainly. Uh, and then it wraps up uh, going to South America. Now, are they finished? I know. Okay, so they are, aren't actually 100% finished yet, but we do know one of the teams that has qualified, Beast Coast, uh, formerly infamous last season, of course, but Beast Coast with their with their roster bringing it back into this season. Um, they did have to go three games against this now Pain Gaming squad, but Beast Coast are the first team out of South America to go. Certainly, they were the ones in SA that you would at least expect uh, to get to the major. Pain Gaming in a good spot now to go on as well. They'll face the winner of this Incubus Team Unknown series that is currently even in Game 3 as we speak. Yeah, Beast Coast, we have fully expected them to be just heaps and bounds above everyone else. Uh, just, I mean, they got 8th place at TI. Uh, what do you expect, you know? And uh, Pain Gaming has a solid roster. Uh, I just like the fact that I can say that about some SA teams. Right. That's, <laughs> that's a nice good. feeling, right? Uh, it's a region that's traditionally the first year or two that it was given slots was kind of just laughed at. So, uh uh, I, I now the next step is kind of to get past the NA barrier that we've created 
where can we have teams that are not third or fourth that are decent, you know, and that's still not a thing. So that's the next step for this region. But uh, I want to see continued success for teams like Beast Coast at the major uh, to really solidify South America's presence in the Dota scene because they've proven that they can compete, but now can they be contenders? That's what this season of Dota is all about for this region. 100% agree. This season is... Will there be more than just maybe the TI run that we saw last year? Will they have some success even throughout the majors and then that consistency? So not to put all the pressure on Beast Coast specifically, but they're the one team that we certainly expect right now uh, to be yep. the, the saviors of SA. Now, the, the, the ones to really bring the region into the competitive Dota 2 scene, certainly. But they have made progress. It is good to see. And, uh, you know, there's a Southeast Asia comes to mind as another region that certainly went through these growing pains early on, too. And now here we are. They're getting three spots to the major, and deservingly so. So that's uh, the evolution and expect it with South America in a couple of years to come. But, uh, yeah, Beast Coast going. We're still waiting on a final team by the time you – if you're listening to the recorded version of this, you probably know it by now. But, again, Pain Gaming in the likely spot. We'll see if they get there as well uh, for the major. All right. Uh, that leads us to the minor qualifiers. Uh, so, again, with this format, it's – it, it was really interesting how they tied in both the major and the minor qualifiers together. The one thing I will say on that, after, now that it's been played out, I really wish they just went with the international format that they've done in the past for qualifiers, and that's a Swiss format. Not not a Swiss format, a round-robin with all the teams. Because I feel like, especially with so much on the line here, considering it's for both a major and a minor, the fact that some of these teams don't even get the chance to play another team seems a little off to me. So I would really rather have a best of two, 10 teams maybe limit in each region that could play one another. You could even down it to eight at that point if that would help with the scheduling. Um, so I hope that's something that maybe Valve will look at. Outside of that, I do like the flow of this event. It's a little unique. It's a little confusing for some, but I think we'll get used to it over time. That's the one adjustment I would make, though. So I don't know if you had thoughts on the on the format itself. Yeah, my overall adjustment, I guess, would be that uh, if you're getting eliminated from contention, which is between major or minor and like elimination, in this case, I'm seeing Infamous versus No Ping um, in one of the groups. If you're going to make like third, fourth, that big of a difference where you're just out of the picture if you get fourth and they tie, you should have a best of three. That, that, like, that should be a best of three tiebreaker. Uh, that was a best of one is yeah. what I'm highlighting. That's just because you're not playing all the teams in the tournament, because you're playing a best of one tiebreaker. That's a little more variance than I would like to have for this big of a thing you know what i mean uh the, the i think they'll refine and fine-tune this whole process but i i overall i like the flow of everything and i think that it was just too much for a team to barely not make it to the major last season then run through an entire minor qualifier again so now in this case it's almost like an extra loser's bracket to the to the major qualifier rather than having two separate ones in terms of how it feels um, what day does the minor start, actually? The minor uh, so we're recording this here on Tuesday night. It starts tomorrow. I'm actually okay. covering one of the matches tomorrow, I That's think, I for thought. NA. So. I knew it was sometime this week. I wasn't sure if it was tomorrow or Thursday. Yeah, no, they uh, keep it going. It's Wednesday. Yeah, no, that's good. That's what I mean. It feels like one solidified qualifier. They, It's almost like an event where you have that one or two days to process, to go over, to, you know, to trim up any mistakes and then move to the next portion of the event yeah and I, I like that a lot better i think that this is just better 
So. So the minors, uh, minor qualifiers are set up. Um, again, not much to say about that, honestly, other than it's going to be, it's four teams in each region that came out from the initial part of these qualifiers, and they play double elimination. So it's just, just a straight-up double elimination tournament. Of course, one team from each region advancing on. And then, in a sense, it is that then extra last qualifier for the major, as you're pointing out, who will be the 16th team to join everyone else in china but of course the minor excited for that and we'll preview more of it of course as we get the teams and everything towards the event uh but dota summit 11 it's, it's, that's going to be a lot of fun they, they're going to have a live audience their biggest prize pool they've ever had at three hundred thousand dollars obviously you know part i i don't want to go conspiracy theory here but man quincy crew they threw the majors because they just wanted to go to summit and then you know win summit and then go to the major on top of that right more you know? money more money have some fun yeah what no it's yeah. I, I doubt that's what they actually did cool but, party um uh, the summit event is certainly a fun event i know both you and i have had the chance to uh, to attend so um looking forward to that certainly already but i think that uh, leads us to a conclusion i got a good uh, just about an hour long show here talked about plenty joined by an awesome guest in moon meander so big shout out to him once again for joining us bsj final words anything else yeah, i just want to thank all the live viewers for contributing and asking questions i enjoy the little bit of interaction that we get to tie into this and uh i love this part of the season because we talked about it before that we get to kind of theorycraft what's going to happen and now i love to see all the disappointments and all the pleasant surprises i i i it gets me every year and i'm really happy during this time of year so i uh, look forward to seeing who makes it to the minors for next week's episode so we can talk more about who really just trying to cash in on that big prize for the extra you know minor win going to the major yeah it's gonna be a fun event and that the minors actually November 7th through 10th. So it's still it's still about a month away itself as the actual minor event. But next week's podcast, of course, we'll recap the minor qualifiers and we'll see what else is on the docket uh, moving forward. But always busy throughout the DPC season, even off events that take place outside of DPC. There's always going to be plenty to talk about here on the Wombo Combo. Thank you guys for tuning in to episode three. Once again, I was Breaky CPK joined by BSJ's my co-host. Big shout out yet again to Moon Meander and their success also for going to the major and joining us on the show. We'll see you guys next time. Have a good night. See you next week. It should be back to Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern. That's our usual. We'll let you know if anything changes. We'll see you guys next week. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.